welcome to Samwise. I am, as always, your host, Sam, and I believe every question in life can be answered by watching Peter Jackson's Lord of the Rings trilogy, the extended editions, of course, and the special features. So, to follow up from last week's episode, I just wanted to say I recorded it before the synagogue shooting, which is why I didn't bring it up. I wasn't trying to be insensitive or nonpartisan, whatever. I just, I didn't know it was going to happen, and if I had, that would have been pretty messed up. My heart absolutely broke upon hearing how history repeated itself in such an awful way. But remember, Sauron, it it took Sauron two attempts at rising to power before he was finally defeated entirely. And perhaps this is kind of the second round for our culture, for Western civilization. It's also important to remember that this wasn't just some act of extremism. Um, This was a person carrying out the will of a flawed ideology. Sauron didn't have hands. He didn't have arms. He didn't have a body. He had only an awful flaming eye, which saw ways to corrupt others. And he had an ideology to plunge the world into darkness. It's these dark ideas, not necessarily the people acting on them, that are the most dangerous because they're harder to kill. Um, And now we're going to transition into our first question, which is tragically related to this horrible fascist news. CK wrote to me through our social channels, um, and she her question is the following. I've been attending Solidarity Shabbat at a synagogue that I pass a lot. It was already scheduled earlier this week, so I've been planning to go, but then last night a big event was canceled there after threatening graffiti showed up, which makes it an even more fragile situation. I've asked a few friends what I can expect so I can try to be friendly and supportive and hopefully being a... And hopefully avoid being a massive pain who can't read the room. But I'm wondering what LOTR has to say about entering grieving spaces and offering respectful support in violent times. First of all, I'm so very sorry for the people in your community, for the people who attend this synagogue, for the Jewish people that are dealing with this rise in anti-Semitism that have to deal not only with grieving their fellow pe- their fellow community members in Pittsburgh, but who also have to deal with further threats from awful, awful people. As we covered in last week's episode, our own world mirrors very heavily Middle Earth as Sauron rises to power, so there is definitely wisdom here. As in our world, there is great loss throughout Middle Earth as Sauron's forces wreak havoc, so there's a lot of grief. Our first instant of it actually happens in Moria, when Gimli discovers his cousin Balin and all the dwarves have been slaughtered. The group lets Gimli grieve while they try to figure out what happened. Gandalf handles the reading. He, he picks up that dusty tome and he effectively takes on the emotional labor so Gimli can just mourn his family member. He doesn't make Gimli read the historical record even though it's in his native tongue. So while you're at Shabbat, don't be the one to just bring up anti-Semitism, expecting to learn about it from its victims. And if others do bring it up, let them be angry. Let them... Let them mourn. Let them be upset about it, because this is a tremendously upsetting situation. And again in Rohan, uh, Gandalf uses a similar strategy with the grieving Theoden, who had his mind overtaken and lost his son. Gandalf listens to Theoden, and he helps him strategize how to save his people, how to make up for the lost time that he had being abused and being stuck in this horrible web. He pushes Theoden away from blaming himself, especially at the tomb of his son, and reminds him that 
this is just a horrible situation, that Theoden isn't totally to blame. He wasn't in his right mind. And it's that last part that not expecting so much emotional labor of the victims, not blaming them, that is the key. And that's what Gandalf was really smart about. Our Jewish brothers and sisters are not only grieving lives lost, but they're grieving a sense of safety. And there's just this horrible reminder that there are still people out there in this world who view them as less than human. Our job in these grieving spaces is to do what we can on our own before we get there to understand their plight, which it sounds like you're doing, so well done. And it's to not blame them for their victimization and for their persistence in existing. They have a right to be here. They are human beings. They are survivors, and it's beautiful. And we we can't blame them for the attitudes and crimes of their oppressors. I'll include some links to articles about anti-Semitism for curious listeners in the show notes. I've actually been doing a lot of research myself this week. But let's all try to be a little bit more like Gandalf in these trying times. We need to be a force for good who not only fights for all races in Middle-earth, but who sees them as people and who, who takes the time himself, who puts the onus on himself to learn and to empathize and to understand where they're coming from. He's a perfect example of compassion, and we should all strive to emulate that. Good luck this weekend, and again, I'm so sorry. This next question came from the Samwise email account, sam.wise.ath at gmail.com, and it reads, Why don't dogs live forever? I was going to throw this one out and ignore it because it's a question that I hate. Unfortunately, it's also one I get asked a lot. It's one I have to think about a lot, rather. See, I own a St. Bernard. Her name is Lottie, and she's basically perfect. She draws a ton of attention because she's a big girl. She's about 130 pounds, and she's nothing but pure joy. But the one thing people seem to know about giant dog breeds is that they have a short lifespan. Owning a big old dog like Lottie means that I'm constantly reminded that I'm probably going to outlive my girl. I mostly just tell people she's immortal and laugh it off, but it really bums me out and I really, really hate thinking about this question, but I decided that rather than avoid it and put my head in a hidey hole, I am going to live up to my namesake, Samwise the Brave, and I am going to see what Lord of the Rings has to say about it. So, thanks listener for giving me a taste of my own medicine. So, why don't dogs live forever? One of the things that the ring does to its victims is that it gives them unnaturally long lifespans. Immortality, it seems, is a sort of corruption. As Middle-earth more moves toward either the doom and darkness of Sauron or toward a new age, the elves, also kind of immortal or at least immune to aging and sickness, uh, they've they've seen the desecration of their corpses in the war. They became orokai and, and kind of goblins and stuff. Well, not goblins, but they they they've been corrupted and, and they become the orokai. They become the orcs. Um, so they decide to end their immortal time in Middle Earth. Uh, they they move on to the Grey Havens. So once again, immortality doesn't have a place in Middle Earth. But why? Arwen, who is sensibly immortal, she's an elf, she chooses, she gets the chance to choose a mortal life for the sake of love. For her, 
all the time in the world is irrelevant without the man that she loves. In order for love to be unique, and, and because love is so special, it can only exist in finite contexts. Good can only stay good if there are limits, otherwise it becomes normalized and then it becomes corruptible. This is all to say that our relationships with our dogs, they might be special because they are so short. We have these animals who love us unconditionally, that have evolved alongside us, that have made us, like as a species, the people that we are today. In addition to our individual dogs making us as individuals better in a lot of ways. It's a strong one and a special one, maybe, because it has limits. And it forces our hearts to transcend those. These questions have been pretty heavy this episode, so let's transition into something a little bit more lighthearted. I received two very similar questions this week, and it made me laugh. They both came through the Samwise email inbox. The first read, How can I get motivated and stay motivated for a workout routine? The second, from Out of Shape, read, Hi Samwise, I've been wanting to start an exercise routine to get in shape, but I can't seem to get motivated or prioritize time for exercise in my busy schedule. Please help with your LOTR wisdom. Thanks! Making exercise a habit is tough. Exercising for the sake of exercising, especially solo, is so boring, so I definitely relate to you both. When Peter Jackson brought the fellowship together, according to the special features on fellowship, he actually had them bond via their physical training. They learned canoeing together. Because exercising is super lame, the buddy system might be worth both of you considering. Take classes or join a running group. I personally love my Tai Chi bros, and I love taking yoga classes at a local brewery. The relationships not only add to my level of accountability, they're also good for making you like exercise. And they're good for you. It's always great to meet and get to know new people. Who knows, maybe you two will find each other and become your own little fellowship. That'd be awesome. Good luck. The final question tonight comes from the Samwise text line. Is it better to pursue a job for passion or for financial stability? So watching the Lord of the Rings films actually inspired me to rethink this type of question entirely, and I'm going to encourage you to do the same thing. These films, particularly Fellowship, are nothing but passion. Their financial success was unprecedented and certainly unguaranteed at the time they were greenlit. This was a group of New Zealanders with a vision and a prayer, and a studio taking a fat risk on these films. Fantasy had never done this well before. But even whether or not the movies were going to do well, Peter, Fran, and Philippa, they got paid. So job and passion, one and the same. Anyway, in the stories themselves, Middle Earth is not particularly capitalist. Everyone is fighting for principle, uh, for, for country or kingdom or for just not succumbing to darkness. Sauron and Saruman represent the war machine or industrialization, but at the end of the day, everyone we cared about in the films after they've defeated these guys, they go home to something. In effect, they also get paid. Now, you're not asking for riches, and your question, you said financial stability. And you're also not talking about pursuing a career or a mission or a calling, you're asking about a job. A job can lead to any of those higher callings, but it can also be just a tool in achieving stability that allows you to pursue your passion. 
Once again, let's look at Gandalf this episode. He's definitely the star. His passion was to get the ring to Mordor and stop Sauron. But that passion couldn't be his job. It was too risky for him to have that much power. He tells Bilbo straight away, don't tempt me, this could be horrible. Instead, he took a job babysitting the hobbits. This job led to the creation of the Fellowship, which created stability and allowed Gandalf to have his mission, his passion, in the end. This is all to say, if a job is your passion, but a lack of stability will drain you so that you'll become resentful, don't do it. If a job can be a tool for financial stability and not drain your heart for pursuing your passion, use it. Reframe this as a question of what are my passions in life and does this job allow me a step toward them, even if it is in a roundabout way? All right, that brings us to the end of the episode. Thanks, as always, for listening to Samwise. If you would like to have a question featured, please leave a voicemail or a text message at the Google Voice line, 608-561-2755, or shoot me an email at sam.wise.ath at gmail.com. You can also reach out through the After the Hype social channels, especially on Facebook or the Instagram, ATH Podcast. You can also reach me at my Instagram, at SammyJane613, or you can check out my dope dog's Instagram, at Saint underscore Lottie. She did get featured in this episode because she is so special. I would also encourage you to check out the other After the Hype Network podcasts. Um, The first, of course, being After the Hype every Thursday at 10 a.m., which yours truly sometimes co-hosts. You should also check out Venture Bros, a Venture Brothers podcast, and visit ATHpod.com for articles every Wednesday and Friday. Don't forget to rate and review us on iTunes or check us out and subscribe on Google Play. Bye!